Yours was so Bobby McFerrin. I just that I've was been, really good. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I'm thank really you. proud of that. Um, do you hear that? Not that, but do you hear that? The other that. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I left my huh. espresso machine on. Yeah. No. I tell you, I I could fall asleep to that sound every night. Well, listen, then, boy, John, do I have a podcast for you. Oh, go the on. Twelve Hour Sound Machine Podcast is exactly that. Ooh. You can get sound machines that help you slow your thoughts and reduce anxiety. Great for stressed out parents, mm-hmm. and sound machines that help you escape a busy and distracted world. Great for well, everyone. Everyone. <laughs> it was created by a dad who couldn't find any sounds that would play long enough to last through a whole night of his baby sleeping. And we're completely free of interruptions, loops, or fading in and out. The most popular sound machines are white noise, pink noise, and brown noise. Which one do you think would be best if you had to choose for you, John? See, I'm more of a plaid noise guy. Oh. My high school was the Highland Scots. I get that. Right? Uh-huh. But maybe I could set up several speakers and play different sound machines at once. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I see they also have hair dryer, Ooh. box fan, mm-hmm. air conditioner, and vacuum sound machines. All Genius. Of, all of those were nicknames for me when I was playing the drums. They're like fidget toys for your ears, John. Something passive, something constant, something calming and familiar. All of that helps when focusing, calming down, studying, etc. That's true. And I cannot wait to check it out at 12hoursoundmachines.com or search wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number 12hoursoundmachines.com. And get some rest already. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Amy McLaughlin, Annie Barnes, and Sissy Everybody D- loves Dave. him. His oh. name is John. Oh, and Dave is great too. He's uh, having no, a good day. His hair looks awesome, and oh, well. he's worked out. <laughs> it looks like based on his outfit. That was good. No, that was that went a different direction. I thought. Okay. Can you believe it's almost Thanksgiving, John? And therefore, almost well, December, almost, and yeah. therefore, almost Christmas. Yeah, I know. As you were talking, I'm like, I I get anxiety about yeah. gifts for the holidays. I know. Friend, fear no more, because today's sponsor, Manscaped, has you covered. Or. Uncovered. Uh, oh, stop it. it. Stop it. it. Stop it. Look, did you know that the Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 Ooh. is a one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all? Oh, that's right. It has everything, Dave. Yep. Everything needed to help you deck the halls just in time for the mistletoe okay. season. Is mistletoe season a recognized holiday? And that's not just because it sounds like a great song title. Wait. I'm just... It feels like okay, good. Yeah, Yeah. I can't believe how much you get in the Platinum Performance Package 4.0. It's almost too much. It's almost too much. I was gonna say. Okay, inside you Mm -hmm. get each product from the best-selling Performance Package Plus Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium Two-in-One Shampoo and Conditioner. Mm -hmm. No need for both things. It's all in there, guys. And the Ultra Premium Deodorant. And I know how much you care about those locks. Listen, it takes work, John. It's a blessing and a burden. But Manscaped makes it so much easier. You also get the Lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer featuring proprietary advanced skin safe technology. It's almost wow. hard to say, John, because wow. I got so much to give it to you. Yeah. Plus, both are waterproof, okay? So there's no issue clearing the snow out of your driveway. Oh, the hits just <clears throat> keep on coming, Dave. There's also a 4K LED light on it. 
Ah. So you can light the way like... Say it. Rudolph. Now knew it's done. Do it. Ah, I'm and nailing for the it. Perfect stocking stuffer. Add in the brand new body buffer, an incredible mm. body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than that old Lufa John. Isn't Lufa John your favorite uh, Star Wars character? <laughs> I think it was. I think it was next to the Dagobah system. Actually, <laughs> get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code Dadville at Manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code Dadville. Manscaped. Get your jingle ready for the holidays. Hey, everybody. It's me, Dave. Hey. This is kind of fun because we well, don't know say, the last could time. Could you tell them who you are? They oh. Hey, well, you normally say my name at the ads. That's why I didn't think to say <laughs> you got. I just don't want everybody to be confused. Sorry, everybody. I'm I'm John. Still. Still. No matter I've, what it, they tell This whole time. This whole time. <laughs> so, so this is a little bit of a cheat, what we're doing here, because we're, this is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a just false efficient. start. It's a false start. Yeah. Because right now you're thinking you, you you feel your body settling into our dulcet tones and knowing yeah. we're about to listen to John and Dave. Just you turned it on and you're like, oh, these guys again. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. You're settling. But guess what, folks? It is not these guys. That's again. right. Take that bar, take that standard, and raise it right up, folks. <laughs> because for one of the first times in the history of our podcast, we can meet it. It will meet your expectations. <laughs> And I, we say that because <laughs> this episode is not John and I. It's our much more beautiful, wonderful, gracious, holy, unbelievable, intelligent, intelligent yes, wives. <laughs> loving, better we, halves. We have three amazing women on this episode. We do. We do. Three very wise women, yes. Annie Barnes, Sissy Goff. Yeah. And you guys, um, if you've listened to us at all, you know how much we love Sissy Goff and David Thomas um, and their wisdom. And as you know, Dave is the mayor of Dadville, we love him so much. We had Sissy on uh, a couple of months ago, and she awesome was incredible. And did we figure out what her title for Dadville is? Did we give her? I feel like maybe. We, I feel like we did something. I don't know. Is she president? She maybe president. Maybe she holds the key to the city. Chancellor. Chancellor. Ooh, I don't know. That feels. I love that. Um, but so after that episode, John and I thought it would be really cool to have um, our wives talk to her as moms asking Sissy, who specializes in, uh, you know women and girls and well and a lot of that was like we had the episode we had a great conversation you know we we were with her for an hour Mm -hmm. and of course we had like 10 more questions yeah yeah, yeah. but then i talked with amy afterward as i'm sure it was with you and annie and she's like so did you ask her about this this and this i was like we actually didn't get any of any, that. Yeah, of course. And we're like, we, yeah. you guys should talk to her. That's right. Yeah. And so they were kind enough to oblige us, and we're so excited about it. And and thankfully, they've known Sissy uh, before now. But one of the, I will say before we kick into the episode, one of the cutest things about this was I was sitting with Annie, kind of like prepping, going, mm-hmm. yeah, how you feeling? And I remember telling her and Sissy on the phone, I was like, hey, just the one thing that I ask is just if somebody would kind of do an intro. And they were like, oh my God, of course, yeah. Oh yeah, and, you know, oh, we got the intro. And then, you know, we, we realized that they just, they literally were all so excited about it, they just go. Like they yeah. hit record and they are just off to the races. Yeah. So we wanted to give you a little context and intro so that you kind of know what's going on. But as usual, Sissy is amazing. Uh, y'all will get to know a little uh, more about us uh, or uh, more about our better halves, yeah. which uh, yeah. ultimately is about us maybe. Or yeah, not. sure. But <laughs> sure. by proxy. <laughs> by proxy, yeah. yeah. Anyway, here is uh, the latest episode of Momville. Momville. I, I kind of feel... I can start. Okay, you Maybe start. you just fill in. Wait, can I ask you a question before we start? Yeah. What? Tell me what number you are on the Enneagram. I know what Annie is. Um, I think I'm a two. Me. A two. Yeah. Okay. 
I went from a two or, or a six. And my sister, who's done a lot of work, she's like, I think you're a two with an anxiety problem. Mm. <laughs> yes. I think my deepest core is wanting to be liked mm. and wanted. But because I, I am fearful of certain things, but not in general. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I'm scared to go in planes. I'm scared about certain certain things. Mm-hmm. As I get older, like overarchingly, as I get older, it's more and more. But as a young child, I was never anxious or nervous. Or do you see that a lot with six, like? I guess you don't try not to type kids, but like six mm-hmm. kids. Like, is are you kind of like? I see a lot of kids who are anxious think they're sixes when they're trying to figure out where they are on the Enneagram. But that wouldn't be who they are, or that not necessarily. Okay. They could be something else, but they have some anxiety they're trying to work through, and they think they're a six because everyone has anxiety now right right well all I do I mean all of us do well and kids are so hard to figure out anyway because you know to do the Enneagram I feel like you have to be able to tell on yourself and you can't do Uh, that till you're a certain age so so often kids will pick seven two right nine. yeah 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 right yeah right the, the good ones right yeah yeah, right. yeah there aren't right. any kids everyone wants to be a seven even when you're a grown-up <laughs> so true. Funny. what what are yes. you I'm a one okay yeah. yeah, which is not fun. I think we have a one I love kid. ones. That's I love so ones. Mm-hmm. David I do. Thomas is a one, too, and he says everything positive you can say about a one, you can say about a well-functioning lawnmower, <laughs> <laughs> which is terrible. <laughs> I mean, no. Hey, I, I feel like I would much rather be a one. Who do you think is a one? Oh, but you're, ben? I mean, we've talked about this. You're one of the most warm, pleasant, kindest, mm-hmm. eight. not that all aren't, but you just are more effusive and such a kind well I think it maybe can come across that way but in my in my spirit I'm like I don't know you know I I don't know I also have the like a high self-critic yes so I know what that feels like I'm not like it doesn't rule my day or anything Mm -hmm. but I'm very in my mind very hard on myself Mm. I don't think I knew eights were like that yeah maybe I mean I don't know that all are I don't know if they are either. I just know for me. You do that. And I, I have thought, like, am I one? But I have much more generally, I resonate. All of the eight stuff, when I read it, I'm like, oh, like, it's like that. You, it knows yes. me, you yes. know. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what I am. Yeah. I think you're an eight, but you definitely have a lot of nine. I think you go a lot. Yeah, I have a nine wing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I'm a slow processor. And so. you, I feel like you like your... Your time at home. and mm-hmm. Have y'all heard that? I don't know who said it, that um, one Enneagram theorist said that the first half of life you lean towards one wing and the second half you yeah, lean towards the other. Yeah, I heard that. I love that yeah. idea. What that, it, what's that for you? Well, I think that I'm leaning away from two. I love twos. Yeah. But I feel like I spent a lot of my life trying to accommodate people yeah. too much. And now I'm just getting a little more laid back, and hmm. which I think life circumstances right. can do that too. Right. My mom died eight, two, two and a half years oh. ago. And I think I've been more laid back since then. You know, you just let go of things mm-hmm. in really? a different way, okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all know. I mean, when you go through hard things, we mm-hmm. all have. Mm-hmm. But it could either make you, though, like, really anxious and yes. closed off. Yeah. yeah. So true. More tense. More tense. More fearful. Mm-hmm. Yes. can go either way. I'm glad it didn't. Well, yeah. Thank you. Um, okay. So, sissy. We are pumped. <laughs> Y'all, it's so fun. I mean, we were really. laughing saying it's like being with friends, except you don't normally wear headphones That's right. in front exactly. of a microphone. That's right. It is being with friends. I mean, Dave and John asked us to do this, and like, 
I think we said yes before we really thought about what we were saying yes to. Because like ever <laughs> like since, yeah, yeah. Ever since we said yes, we're like, can we do this? Yeah, like, I don't know if we can. We're not qualified. We're gonna be fangirling. Yes. No, we're gonna be y'all are so yes. silly. No, yes. y'all yes. are amazing. I just have been so excited to sit down with the two of you. I'd rather ask y'all questions no. than you ask me. <laughs> no, we ha- you have too much wisdom. In yes, that head. we need your <laughs> yes. wisdom, not ours. Yes. We don't have any. Um, so when Amy and I were like talking about how are we gonna do this, like. Dave and John did a great job. And by the way, I have to say, we were the the minds behind a lot of their questions. Yes. So when we realized we were going to have to ask you questions, we were kind of like, wait, we've already given away our best <laughs> questions. They, they did quote you a lot. They did. Yes. 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 They were good. Yeah. Yes. Um, so when we were like, how are we going to do this? We decided the best way we could come up with was to reach out to our people. So we kind of have been intentionally reaching out to friends through church, life, school, all the things, and just wanted to know, like, if you could sit down with Sissy, and everyone's like, what? You're going to get to do this? So we have a list of questions. Some of them are ours, but most of them are our friends. Right. Um, And Amy had this great idea. You tell the idea. Well, I, I said we should make it like a Dear Abby column Ooh. where people write in. So Ooh. our friends are writing to you. So it's Aww. a Dear Sissy. Aww. We're doing Dear Sissy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Y'all are so sweet. That's so fun. Dear Sissy. Yes. Okay, so we're going to start each question with Dear Sissy. Well, I have to say before we go any farther, so I wrote an article for Fox News. Okay. And I don't know how long ago, a couple years ago, during the pandemic. And someone's comment was, why would anyone listen to advice from someone named Sissy? No. <laughs> so no. I'm glad we're turning it to Dear Sissy. Yeah, can you imagine? Ugh. We're starting it. Good. They're, they're going to eat their words. They I love it. are. Yes. Oh, they don't how even know what they were saying. <laughs> I know. Okay. Um, you're, gonna, you're starting, and you go. Okay, here we go, Sissy. Are you ready for yes, this? Yes, I'm ready. Buckle up. Okay. Um, okay, so you, we did... We had we did prep this question with Dave and John, so you've okay. already kind of started talking about this. But we wanted to dig in a little deeper to okay. this to the idea of siblings. Yes. So you guys talked more about sisters. Yes. Um, which is important, mm-hmm. but we kind of wanted to generalize it to just siblings and girls that have brothers. And you know, how do we do this well? So here's the question, dear sissy. <laughs> How do we foster good language towards siblings, ways we can practically help their relationship? Is it bad to say, you're the oldest, you need to set the example, things like that? Hmm, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, hands down, the highest percentage of girls in my office that I see with anxiety are the oldest. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of it. I think they carry a level of responsibility. But at the same time, we need their help sometimes, right. you know. And so, I mean, I think there's a balance. I think probably being aware of how often we're communicating something like that is really important. I, I had a girl I worked with years ago who she was the oldest, and her parents fostered a lot of kids over the years, which was wonderful. And in the beginning, she was on board. And then I think she felt like she was having to be responsible for so many children so often. She just got worn down mm-hmm. and didn't even felt like she was seen, didn't even feel like she was seen right. anymore. And so, you know, I think however, maybe it's even saying to them, hey, you're the oldest, you are setting example, and if that ever feels like too much, mm. I want you to say uncle. You know, give them some kind of yeah. out where they can communicate with you that it's too hard from time to time. Is it bad know? to say like, hey, your sister's in the room, can you take her up and like 
is it is it okay to say like take her under your wing oh. at this party or I think in in moderation bits. yes bits. in okay. bits yes and depending on I mean you know that's what I talked to Dave and John about yeah I mean you two both know your kids really well and are very intuitive as moms and so I think you'd be able to tell is this too much are they feeling mm -hmm. too much of the weight I do know a girl right now who's an eighth grader who has a sibling who has struggled a lot over the years and it's I told her mom the other day, I feel like it's the Rory from Gilmore Girls syndrome. Like mm -hmm. she was holding so much together because most kids who have younger siblings who are challenging or even older siblings who are really challenging for the parents will intuitively shrink back mm -hmm. so that they're not causing the same struggles for the parents. They don't want to do that. And, and so I think she has held it together, held it together, held it together, and her sister's doing better, and all of a sudden she's mm -hmm. an eighth grader, and she's the worst version of herself, which mm -hmm. everyone is, at that age, and so she has just totally come unglued. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it was feeling like she had to help so much and, right. and couldn't as couldn't have an identity, really, as much as she was the oldest and she was the model, and that got to be too much. So One of the things I feel like was a a weight I carried as an older mm. sibling yes. um, was even when the younger sibling is like bothering you, the message was they're just trying to get your attention. Like they're being annoying, but that's because they want your attention. And so it was always reframed in this way for me of like, um, you looked like you're, the bad guy. you're responsible. Yes. How do you um, enter into that with your kids? Because as a parent, now that I'm a parent, I'm like, mm -hmm. that is true. That was what was happening. Right. So, but the message that I received was probably unhealthy. Yes. Their that. behavior was justified and your reaction mm -hmm. isn't. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you have a reaction. Right. So how right. would Which you, is... like, how would you do that better in a way that communicates to the older sibling? Because I've even found myself telling Ben that. Like, she's mm. just trying to get your attention. And then I'm like, wait a second, don't say that. <laughs> um, yes. How do you enter into that? I mean, I think empathy with anything is just such a game changer mm. with kids, you know. And so even if you were to say, I know it's really frustrating or I know it's hard to be the oldest or that might drive me a little crazy, too. And they're doing it because they want to connect with you. And so, I mean, even to ask a question, how can you connect in a time that they're not bugging you so that mm -hmm. they know that's a good way to connect with you or something like mm -hmm. that. But I think I mean, I feel like. You tell me if I'm wrong, but would it have felt different if your parents had even acknowledged how it probably felt to you? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think. I really do. I think just that piece of empathy and seeing the other side, like one of the things Amy talks about all the time is like seeing two perspectives and entering yeah. into both sides equally. Yeah. yeah that's so good. What, yeah. what birth order are you? I'm the baby of you an older are. sister. Okay. Yeah, so we're like So you were trying to get a little I of was. the connection. And what... And I am really trying not to project everything yes. onto my girls. And my sister knows this, and we've worked through a lot of things. But I think for so long, I was wanting all of that, was wanting – I thought she was the coolest. Mm. That's why I'm like the older sibling has so much power mm -hmm. because they just want to be with you. Yes. Like if you set that tone, like – so, but our whole relationship, I was trying, 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 and I think I was just like annoying, annoying, annoying her – until college when she was like, hey, actually, I want to be friends. And I was mm. like, mm-mm. Yes. I've been hurt this whole time. Wow. Not 
I was not aware of that, but mm-hmm. looking at it, mm-hmm. you know, I think she felt rejected from me at, at a certain time. Um, but I think I was like a little too late. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, <laughs> yeah. And now we have worked through, I feel like we're closer than ever. And mm-hmm. we like really work through, like she's big. The Enneagram has helped her so much. Mm. And she's just like, it's been so great for our relationship. But what we went, grade were you in when she went to college? I I was a freshman in high school when she was a senior, so sophomore. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you're just coming to your into your own. I mean, right. it would make sense you would feel annoyed and right. You know, you're still kind of coming out of that narcissistic phase. And, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I'm seeing that now with my girls, so I'm like, mm. Luca, like, yes. Don't don't let her feel annoying or you know, but mm-hmm. it's so normal. It's, it's so and, normal, and so like it's, so it's just gonna be what it's gonna be. Yes. You know, I'm telling myself this. Yeah, it's gonna be okay, and but it's hard not to project mm-hmm. our experiences mm-hmm. on them. Yeah, it's really of hard. Course. Yeah, and but the, the fact that y'all are aware of it is what matters really the mm-hmm. most. Yeah, I um have only one sister, so I only know the dynamic of girl girl. Mm-hmm. You know, siblings. And it's interesting now that we have a boy and a girl, mm-hmm. two boys and a girl. But, like, what does that relationship – I mean, I'm sure that you probably have have to – it has to change, right? Mm-hmm. Like, girls are always going to be on the same page for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, without different sports and all the things. Mm-hmm. But, like, girls and boys are just naturally separated. Do you have any wisdom for, like, fostering healthy – relationships with different genders as they get older, like things that you've seen in your practice that are, um, oh, this was a great idea that this these parents did, or mm-hmm. I don't know, tell us what to do, Susan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Y'all are so funny. I mean, I think anytime we can, we may have talked about this on the guys one, but I think anytime we can give them shared purpose. Yes, I love really that. helpful for kids. Yes. Um, even if it's that they're sharing that they're mad at you or doing something mm. for you, either one. And I think another thing that we can do, I love when families do things like at the dinner table, everybody goes around and says something kind or mm-hmm. that they're grateful for in the each person. And so they have to not only think about what those things are, but verbally say those things to each other, I think can be great. Or even just spontaneously in the car or whenever. And I think one of the biggest pitfalls that parents make with sibling relationships or any relationship is in, on the holidays. I don't know when this is coming out. Are we, we're getting close. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. yeah. But around the holidays, going and buying a gift and putting the, their name yeah. tag on it rather than oh, letting yes. the kids, kids buy something that they feel like would be meaningful That's a good to practical that thing. That is. That's yes. great. We do something at, y'all know we have a little summer retreat program for mm-hmm. the kids at Daystar mm-hmm. called Hopetown. And we have Christmas at Hopetown with the 7th through 12th oh graders. Gosh. And it's so fun. We are about 20 miles, 15 miles from a little town called Hazel, Kentucky. I don't know if y'all have ever been there. It's all antique stores. Cool. It's COVID hit them hard. But we go and we give the kids each $3, which goes a long way in Hazel, and they buy a gift that represents something that they like about that person. Aww, and so they that. give all these really cool, like, Band-Aid, old tin Band-Aid can because they help other people with their problems or a Coke bottle because they're refreshing to other people. You know, they come up with yeah. these creative things. And even to do something like that at Christmas time. Mm, great. And That's let great. your kids give creatively, even if the gifts are not anything they would yeah, you know, right. necessarily use right. just to get them thinking the, about each other. Yeah, in in that. life, just to think. Yes, what would they like? Or, yes. Yeah. 
One of my favorite videos I have on my phone is um, there. I think I, I want to say Ben was maybe like six or seven, and Zana, the two of them. I know you've seen this video, Amy. Um, and they're sitting on the ottoman, and Ben had just Zana had her hair up in a little bun, and Ben had just told me off off the video that Zana looked cute. And so I'm videoing them, and I was like, Ben, what did you just say to Zana? What did you just say about Zana behind her back? And Zana, like, looked at Ben, and he was shy. He didn't want to say, like, what he had just (laughs) said. And I was like, no, what did you say? Like, what did you say to Zana? Or what did you say to me about Zana? And he said, I said I liked her hair. And I was like, that's not what you said. That's not what you said. What did you say about Zana? And he said, I I said she looked cute. And watching her mm. little face mm, sure. when Ben said oh. she looked cute. Yes. I mean, it's like my favorite video because oh. it just shows how much power these yes. older siblings have. Yes. Even in just that small little compliment, mm-hmm. how it just lit her up, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I just, I, I've, I feel like I struggled as a kid with the weight mm-hmm. of that power. Mm-hmm. And if we can help our older kids mm-hmm. to um, to just handle that well and steward yeah. it well and be aware of it but not be controlled by it mm-hmm. is a real gift. Yes. So. And just going back to what y'all were doing of being aware of our own birth order and how mm-hmm. it can play out. And I think catching, stopping ourselves from intervening too much because I think sometimes that makes the problem worse because it we end up inevitably sometimes slanting towards the squeakiest wheel. And so then that child feels like my parents are always on me rather than letting them learn how to navigate conflict themselves. I mean, I think, I think only children have mm. such a harder time knowing how to handle conflict because mm-hmm. they didn't experience right. it much, you right. know, with anybody close to their age. And so letting them that's so hard through that. Some I know is so hard, but it's so good for them. Yeah. It's a good reminder. Everybody loves him. Everybody knows him. John. And Dave, his friend. <laughs> okay. I feel like you didn't like that. No, well, was it's that, not that I didn't like it. I just I, I spent a lot of time. And everybody also show. loves him. I should have that, put that that's, in there. Yeah, that's it, was it's okay. it was too... We're, we're workshopping, John. I know. Okay, we're okay. putting things together. <laughs> Listen, Dave, I figured in the middle of this podcast that our wives have taken over. Yeah. It'd be a good time to talk about how hard it is mm-hmm. to find gifts for our kids that they're actually interested in. Yep. For longer than like the two seconds after they open it. <laughs> That's true. My solution is simple. I just uh-huh. rewrap the gifts from the year before. Easy peasy. Lemon Ooh, squeezy. Ooh, I yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Wait, you don't think our kids are going to listen to this? You know, listen, attention all Barnes and McLaughlin children. Stop listening to this podcast. So now they, they, they you are a genius. Thank you so okay. much. Now I can talk freely about KiwiCo, Dave. That's yep. where I was going this I whole know. time. I know. It's a subscription-based service that is so much more than a toy. It's a season of discovery and experiences delivered straight to your door. Yes. We got this one project where we make crystal ombre soap. True story. It was amazing. It talked about geode crystals, the science of soap, and honestly, my hands have never been cleaner. Check this out. They smell amazing. Thank you. And wow, that is really clean. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at them right now. Mm -hmm. Those aren't just for kids either. Yeah. Yeah. With the Maker Crate. You can make terrazzo clay organizers, Dave. You love those. Listen, if I said it once, I've said it twice. KiwiCo does the legwork for you, John. So you can spend quality time tackling projects together. And hey, get ready for it. You know how much I hate leg day. (laughs) You see what I did there? You see what I did there? (laughs) You and me both, Dave. Listen, they'll be so excited to see their KiwiCo box arrive. Yes. It'll be their favorite day of the month. 
you'll be surprised at how high quality the materials are. I was shocked, but I'm not anymore. No. I expect it. Yes. These are real engineering, science, and art projects. There's no commitment, so you can pause or cancel anytime. Well, let's talk about the white elephant in the room, Dave. Where okay. can I get one of these? Okay, I see what you did there. Give awesome this holiday season with KiwiCo. Get your first month of any crate line free at KiwiCo.com slash dad. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Free? Yep. You yep. said free? Yes. Well, we better hop on this deal before they change their right. mind because it's too good to be true. Get your first month free at KiwiCo.com slash dadville. Yeah, just Dave. Uh, it's Dave and his uh, best friend in the John, world, John, who he respects on every level. level. John, <laughs> oh, I have that. That's exactly how we wrote that. I don't remember the it's a couple of the words here. You know what I was thinking about when I was listening to this episode of Monville? Mm. What? This might be the only time we get away with in, interrupting our wives. Hey, oh, come on, man. You know, it's the small victories yeah, that we're right, after. That's right. But I'll tell you what's not small. Okay, okay. The deal our listeners can get at Butcher oh, Box. Oh, nice segue. Or some people pronounce it segue. 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 Yeah. For me, Butcher Box gives me peace of mind, so I'm not running down the aisle of Whole Foods in a cold sweat because I bought the wrong meat. Oh, well, <laughs> you already ran down the aisle once, Dave. You, those days are over. <laughs> so Listen, with Butcher Box... You enjoy a range of high-quality cuts that are hard to come by at the grocery store at an amazing value. Mm. You also can get exclusive member deals so you can save big on your favorite cuts. Not to mention free shipping for the continental U.S. and no surprise fees. You can choose from a variety of box plan options from curated to customized and change your plan whenever you want. See, and that's great because I'm so indecisive when it comes to meal planning. Listen, check this out, John. I recently got a fat stack of burgers. Mm. Okay, we call them fat stack of burgies uh, in Detroit, I think is where they (laughs) For our yearly Halloween burger bash. You were there. It literally couldn't be easier. And how great was the meat? Tell me. So great. I know. I knew you Almost too great. Well, okay. It's a blessing and a burden how I yeah. cook. It's, yeah. Once I threw them on the grill, everyone forgot about the candy, and they hovered around. Mm. Got some meat candy. <laughs> it was such a coincidence since I went dressed as a bottle <laughs> of ketchup. So I, that's you so know. Anyway, it worked out. It did. But you could also use Butcher Box to give an extra assist this Thanksgiving. Oh, I got gotcha. you. The main course for Thanksgiving dinner can sometimes be a main source of stress oh, for people, but not anymore. ButcherBox is offering our listeners free turkey with their first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com Dadville and use the code Dadville to get one 10 to 14 pound turkey free in your first box. Okay, that's another deal that's kind of hard to believe. An entire turkey? Mm-hmm. Man, ButcherBox is crushing it. So go to ButcherBox.com Dadville and use the code Dadville to claim this deal. I just want to see it, uh, um, Beth, at Porter's call about mm. siblings like last week because I was getting really Gee, anxious about that. my kids fighting so much and does that mean it's going to be how I felt? And she gave really good advice and just saying it's just going to be different seasons. Like they're going to be yes. really close yes. and then they're going to not be close and then they're going to be close. And I think that gave a little freedom of like right now does not define who they're going to be and no. just letting it be – up and down, up and down. It kind of just made me like, okay. Yes. Okay. And and I think, and especially with gender, I think there are times that the girls are going to think the boys are awkward and the boys are going to think the girls are annoying. You know, yeah. just all of that. And mm-hmm. so 
Yes, I love that advice. Yeah. It's just seasons because I sure see it shift. Yeah, good. Over time. Mm-hmm. And I, just I, because they're close now doesn't mean they're not going to go through a rough patch. Right. Oh, they will. Right. They certainly will at some point. Yeah. Okay. Let's Can I say one more thing though yes, about yes, siblings? Yes. I do think in I think there should be certain words that kids are not allowed to say with okay, to yes. each other and there should be an automatic consequence. Like I don't think any kids should ever call another one fat. Okay. In our society. I don't even think kids should say I hate you to each other or to parents. Stupid. You know, I think right. there should be a few words that just come with like, okay, that's a consequence. Right. Mm-hmm. I so. like that's another good practical it's hard though because I was saying sometimes my girls use those language that language and it really like hate yes um, and I know that's the strongest word they know right, right now right right and so like you're saying give it a real big like no way we're not saying that mm-hmm. but also like do they actually hate them and like maybe not no. maybe that's just they want to hurt them but to not practice using that word. That word. Well, and I, yes, and helping them come up with a word that expresses right. what they feel, but that is not hate. hate. But but if you think about how one of the biggest tasks of parenting is helping kids learn to regulate their own mm. emotions, and how many kids struggle with that and go to ten, go to ten, go to ten. Right. Of course, their words are going to be at ten. Right. And it's no more reflection. Their actions in mm-hmm. those moments aren't really a reflection of how they feel. It's just that they can't regulate. That's and so I good. think when we can remember sometimes too that they're languages that they just can't regulate right that can help that's good okay that's really good okay dear sissy (laughs) i'm trying to understand when to insert my wisdom and when not to for example i may be really friendly and know how to connect with someone i can see my girls being very reserved and even rude at times like girls running up to them at the playground and them just standing there and not hugging or reacting to their hi how are you yay you're here and them just standing there when do I say, hey, you're being really rude, or is it that they're just shy and don't know how to communicate? Like, this is mine. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i like, I know if, if you're mad that that girl is not playing with you, go up to her and say, do you want to play? And right. smile. But I'm like, maybe that's not who they are. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to put that on them. Kind of what we were saying mm-hmm. before, like, is... Is, are they just shy and don't know how to? Or do I need to tell them social cues? Like, smile and say, I'm Amy and <laughs> I want to be your friend, you know? Because yes. I know that people like that. I know that people like when you smile and when you look at them. But Yes. And as a two, that's a very significant part of your gifting. And it, it may not be there. Right personality wise yeah so do I help them or do I just let them figure that out on their own I think it I would always say it depends on ages I think in the earlier years you can do a lot more helping okay but helping rather than critiquing helping rather than so like I mean I love role-playing with kids Mm -hmm. and so you know I noticed that Mm. when your friend ran up to you it looked like maybe it was hard to know what to say was it hard to know what to say? Because mm-hmm. I think when we give them permission to feel those things, if that's what's happening, they're going to feel more validated and heard than what we could say of it's really rude when you don't <laughs> smile back and you don't. You <laughs> right. Know. Right. Um, <laughs> but, to, yeah, to say, you know, that idea that all behavior is communication. And so what are they communicating in those moments? Is it that they are shy like you said and they feel anxious and awkward in that moment is it that 
they're not sure that person wants to be their friend is it that they just simply don't know what to do but in any of the above if you were to say you know what do you think makes it hard hopefully they could get to well I feel nervous or and I I did ask her and she said they're just a little crazy okay so somebody that's introverted is going to feel overwhelmed yeah Mm -hmm. so what so you and I said yeah that is a little crazy and you don't have to be crazy like that but just maybe you could still play and not be real loud but then I'm thinking maybe she just wants to stand by me Mm. but I'm worried like what we were saying like she's not gonna have any friends (laughs) because she looks rude right now yes well, okay, so I was just um, on the editing stage of my next book. So mm-hmm. this morning before I came and met y'all, mm-hmm. I, was, I was reading back through it, trying to work with the editor. And one of the things that it talks about is how we forecast. I know. Oh. I'm so bad at that. And it's just not helpful. Because it's not true. I mean, who they are today is not going to be who they are. Or who, Yes, who they are today is not going to be who they necessarily are in 10 years or even tomorrow. Yeah. But, again, I think she might need help getting to that place and I think to say oh yes it can feel overwhelming Mm -hmm. when people are loud or there's a lot going on and it's awesome that that's not who you are sometimes yeah you know unless it's who you want to be and that's awesome too and so what are some ways that they could know that you want to be a friend but maybe that's not how you play and and I don't know if it's even saying something like what are you know I love anytime we have like phrasing that we go back to with kids because I think that helps anchor them because younger ones are so concrete so I mean even if you were to say how can we figure out a way your where your heart can still come through Mm. because you're kind and you love people and I know sometimes for me when I get nervous my face doesn't look like I care right and I don't want that to happen for you so let's think of some ways we could do it or let's practice together some ways we could do it even if she doesn't seem that to care like, I'm the one caring. She's fine being. Yes. I, I think you could still give a short yeah. kind of blurb. Yes. Yeah. Blurb about it. Or experience. Do something experiential yeah. together like that. Um, and then I'd probably let it go. Okay. Because I think they hear you more than they think. Right. And girls want to please you. And so right. in her head, she thinks, I've just done something wrong. My mom's upset with me. I need to figure out how to mm-hmm. do that different next time. So she probably didn't even hear you for a minute and her face may be more and if she's introverted she goes inside of herself anyway right right so her face isn't probably reflecting what's happening in that moment that's good it's so funny like listening to you amy because i know amy well and Mm. it's just like how kind of how we were talking about earlier before the podcast started about parenting and how we you know like our own things come out in our parenting and amy is like the kindest, mm-hmm. the most loving, the mm-hmm. most I'm inclusive, sure. the yes. like all of the things that are she's so aware of are what she's projecting because that's how you are and you you care about how people right you receive mm-hmm. what you're putting out right. there. I probably wouldn't even be thinking about all this right. because my my like way of thinking is so different than right. yours and I think it's beautiful and but also what Sissy's saying like we have to separate. I know. Mm-hmm. At times, and I'm mm-hmm. telling myself that. Like I'm really like. Maybe we just I, need a tag team more. Like you come over to our house, <laughs> right, we right. just switch houses. <laughs> right. That's a great idea. <laughs> but I also think you you do have to think. Like I say to girls often, nobody's gonna follow you into a corner. You know, if you're pulling away, waiting for somebody to come to you. And both of my girls are kind of that way. They well, they want to be pursued. Mm-hmm. They want 
if you were to go up to them and say you want to play, they will be so happy and think mm-hmm. we're best friends. But they're not going to be the one to do it. My favorite way to talk about it with girls is tennis. Mm. So I hit the tennis ball to you, and I'm going to ask a question, and then you've got to hit the tennis ball back to me and back and forth and even in initiating time. Like, I'm going to ask you to play with me or come over to my house, and now I'm going to wait for you to ask me back. Because some kids don't hit the ball ever, and some kids are like a ball machine, Mm -hmm. you know, and then other kids feel like they seem desperate. That's good. So that's kind of a concrete way I think about it often with them. That's great. But this it's is hard. a good um, transition to okay. our next Dear Sissy question. Y'all are doing um, so good. Lisa, we're only on you. number three, I though. Know. <laughs> and this one is something that multiple parents, multiple moms asked, including okay. me. I'm curious about this. Okay, Dear Sissy, when do you push kids to stick with something? Mm. Like be persistent, persevere. I know this isn't what you thought. Or when is it okay to just say, you know what, you tried it and you didn't like it, so it's fine. Let's give up. <laughs> yes, that's so hard. It's so hard. And I know it's, like, contextually important. Like, is it, you know, something you've committed three months to right. versus, you know. Yes. And, uh, you know, in this age of anxiety and the whole thing about escape and avoidance being the most common responses to anxiety means I think more kids are being pulled out of activities than ever before because they're anxious and they sometimes know how to get us to respond that way. Right. So I, I mean, I do love that sports have seasons because mm-hmm. I think that feels like an easy, we're going to do it for the season. I understand. And then we'll reevaluate because that gives them enough time to, you know, I heard that we, it takes us a month to create new neural pathways. And so that gives them at least typically a month to have the experience of getting to a place where it feels better and mm-hmm. they have some success and they're over the initial nerves. And then if they still hate it, maybe we switch to something mm-hmm. different. But then if you notice it's a pattern where we're trying a different three different sports every year and they don't come back around at all, then maybe you help them find something different. I've noticed with Zana that um, she is so much like Dave. Mm-hmm. I mean, she gets more and more like Dave literally every month. Um, but the girl just wants to be around her friends Mm -hmm. and she just wants to have fun. And it's like, she thinks, oh, I'm going to sign up for this because my friends are doing it. And then she gets into it and she realizes that like, I actually don't like the thing. I just really (laughs) wanted to be with my friends. So I want to quit the thing, but still hang out with my friends. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I want to like, you know, appreciate this thing in her that just wants to like, She's such, she's so silly and fun and she loves her friends. Mm -hmm. Is it fine to just, I mean, she's only eight. Is it fine to just take the activities off the table for now and then let her sort of figure it out later? Or do we push in and say like, you know. So Mary Piper is a psychologist that I love and she talks about how girls, I mean, typically in the elementary school age years need to find something called a North Star that they need to find something that they feel some degree of confidence in that's kind of their thing. It doesn't mean they have to be amazing at it, but just they're passionate about it. And so I, I do think it's helpful to keep trying to find that. Okay, that's good to hear. Practices. But I think, I don't know. I mean, I think she's old enough to understand, especially with a little coaching and thoughtful question asking like now remind me why you picked that you wanted to do this Mm -hmm. oh it's just to be with your friends bummer because now we're doing it for the next three months and there's nothing I can do 
you know, where it's, she thinks, hopefully next time she remembers, oh, or you could even ask her the next time she wants to sign up for it. Tell me what's making you interested in doing this. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are you going to do if in a month in you don't love it? Yeah. Let's talk about that because right. we're committing now, to. <laughs> now Ben's like, Mom, you know she's just going to sign up and then quit. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. like it's like a story. Yes. It's a pattern in, yes. our, in our family. So we need a break. <laughs> I'm like, Ben, shh. <laughs> Maybe just really lift her up and like, she's such a good friend. You yes. love being with your friends. Yes. That's so That's fun. so true. Yes. Affirming that yeah. part of who she is. Yeah. Even when she says, that's why I picked it. Like, I love that about you. Yeah. And if that's what you're wanting, let's come up with some play dates because I want you to get to have fun with your friends. Yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorite things. So about I'm going to piggyback off this. What, you know. And the, and the dadville, you're talking about having separate things, maybe especially for girls yes. or, you know, same sex. Yes. What if not, what if they both want and are pretty good at soccer? Or what if they both are good at that? Is that only going to lead to disaster? No, not necessarily. But I think as they get older, it would be great. Middle school probably is when I feel like it's most important. Okay. Younger, I don't think they compare themselves okay. to each other as much. They don't but, seem to yet. Yeah, but I think middle school... But I definitely have had sisters who, I can think of a family with three girls that I think two of the three played lacrosse, maybe all three do, and have loved it. And it's been fun and actually something fun for them to be on the same team. Mm -hmm. But they also had different, other different things. And so I think as long as there's separation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's good. All right. Dear Sissy, this is about siblings too. So we're going to stick with that theme. Okay. Um. When one has big feelings mm. and they're kind of taking over the house with their feelings and, you know, how do we teach them to regulate the, those emotions when the breathing techniques, the journaling, that's not helping, mm. but they are just going crazy in the house. Is it fine to send them up to their rooms and just go crazy on their pillow, you know, like punch their pillow and scream into their pillow What's that doing to the younger ones or older ones who are more quieter and introverted or, you know, mm-hmm. what is that doing to the family dynamic is what I think what they're asking is what what are some tools that they can do besides the breathing? Because <laughs> yes. that's not working. Yes. So, I mean, one thing I mean, we know physiologically breathing always works. It always has the ability to regulate our bodies, but it's a matter of catching it early enough. Often when parents say to me, breathing's not working, it's when they're starting at nine or even seven instead of two. Or that the amygdala, you know, the more activated it is, the more it enlarges. And so, and then it develops a hair trigger response is what happens. And so I think even preventatively, we need to be doing work, you know, using an Apple Watch to breathe or with kids, Calm Kids app or something like that, that's that's doing some work to help it shrink back to the size it should be. But often for kids who you can tell the breathing's not working, and you're even trying to start it earlier, it means they're either boys or they've got some tendency toward what boys I think do where they have more physicality to their emotions. Y'all have probably heard David say that he talks about that all the time. And so I think with boys, they often have to move before they can breathe. And some girls, girls who are more active, I think the same. And so I do think for them to have a space, you know, David talks about that in all the books, I feel like, but to have a space where they can go and not only journal, I mean, for a kid who's active, journaling and breathing are going to be hard 
initially. I think it'd be great to get them there because we want to encourage thoughtfulness about what's even going on during those times. But in the beginning, I think jumping on a mini tramp, even having them run around the house a couple of laps. But if they can go to a space and do some of that, get like a um, medicine ball thing that they can bounce on, you know, just something where they can have an outlet for some of that emotion that's coming up as energy, I think is really important. And then they can get to the other things that we know really do make a difference. And what about the quieter sibling? Like when we want to try to pull things out of them when they're so quiet and closed off, like Mm -hmm. what are some good tools or ways to get them to express how they feel and what's going on in that mind? I mean, for one thing, probably being aware that with a quieter child, I think we've got to create situations that are more conducive to them feeling comfortable talking. So if we're chaotic dinner, somebody's over there yelling and we're sitting asking questions, they're going to be less likely. They're going to have more of an unfolding of information than they're just going to tell you. And so bedtime, I think, is a great time with kids like that where you're in the room with them by themselves and if they feel really uncomfortable talking I always and with adolescents I think this is a great trick too where you're scratching their back and they're looking away from you because it's not as vulnerable Um, but creating space like that getting them maybe away from the one who takes up a little more of the oxygen in the room I mean going for a walk with that child and I think a lot of introverted kids are maybe more internal processors too and so being aware of not firing questions at mm-hmm. them, but being comfortable with some silence, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and giving them a chance <laughs> yeah. to respond, you know, because yeah. I think we just can start to, right. you know, we get so excited either that they're starting to talk or we're wanting them to, <laughs> right. you know. Right. And I love when parents and kids write in journals back and forth. And I think for kids that are introverted or for teenagers, it can be a great idea where you oh, write wow. a question and you lay it on their bed and don't even acknowledge that you put it there and then they get to answer and put it on your bed and that's a great idea back and Mm. forth like that that's great that's cute um okay this one is uh, a question for me okay dear sissy um okay (laughs) this is actually funny a story um just the other day i was trying to i noticed with xana her schoolwork i like she missed these things in her schoolwork folder and so i'm thinking oh you know, I'm going to enter into this with her and work on this and make sure she understands it on a Saturday. So I sit down and ask her, like, recreate the same math question. And I'm like, hey, just want to, you know, I want to make sure you understand this. Can I help you with this? And we sit down and she looked at me and said, mom, you're not my teacher. Miss Price is my teacher and I don't want you to be my teacher. (laughs) And in that moment, I was like, okay, we're putting it up. We mm-hmm. stopped. I stopped because I was like, I can't, I don't know how to enter in. I feel like schoolwork, Zana and I learn very differently. We're very, very, very different. Ben and I are, I mean, I help him with his homework all the time and we're like simpatico. Would he mm. want you to do that? He he doesn't want Dave anywhere near his homework. But he I'm wants saying if me. he would have done that to him, would he have been like, oh, great. No, he would, he wants me to because yeah. like we, we think the same way. Mm-hmm. Zana and I, like, already, I can tell, just don't. Would your advice for me be, you know what, let Dave handle that. Or let's, like, hire a tutor. You don't need to enter into that with her. Or do you think that's a, an area where we can grow and, like, learn? And it might be hard and there might be conflict, but, like, 
how do you counsel, you know, moms with daughters and schoolwork? Well, I, I wonder if part of it is you both being females and them both being males as well. And there's more individuating that happens in that. Mm-hmm. And so part of me wonders if she would be okay with him in a different way because of that. But... I mean, I sure think you could give it another shot mm-hmm. as young as she is. And then, yes. I mean, I, I think especially moms with girls, mm-hmm. you are really parents with any adolescent. You're going to hit, not that you're there yet, but you're going to hit enough hard places along the way. And so if you can free your relationship up to be primarily mom, which is harder for homeschool parents, but primarily mom, I think it will strengthen your relationship in a way that's really important I feel that I can feel that like just give that to someone else yeah (laughs) but I didn't know if you were going to tell me no you can you can get in there and no because I think anything either one of you feel as a mom I think that's one of the most important rules of being a mom Mm -hmm. is to trust your gut okay you two know your kids more than anyone on the planet does and so anything that your gut is rising up and saying to you I would follow it good okay Thanks, Sissy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's talk about Mean Girls. Okay. Okay, dear Sissy, how do we navigate Mean Girls? <laughs> <laughs> Kids feeling left out when we see mm. our baby girls getting hurt. Mm. Um, how we how do we talk about the Mean Girl to our girls? Mm. How do we talk to our girls about not being the Mean Girl? Mm. Great questions. You know, maybe I should answer this first with every question. I feel like we keep circling back to it. I think we've got to put our own pasts Mm -hmm. aside because I see a lot Mm. of parents who inadvertently react with more emotion than their kids. Right. And the kids will say, my mom cares more than I do, so I don't want to talk to her about it anymore. Or my mom won't forgive these friends Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And so I think... But, of course, if you felt like you got just ripped to shreds in seventh grade and all of a sudden your daughter comes home in seventh grade the first time she's ripped to shreds, it is going to take you right back. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not – that's just inevitable. But what we do with that is really important. And we need to do something or it's going to spill over onto her. So that would be the first thing I would say about Mean Girls. But then I think um, how to talk to her about it. I mean, we just want to give her a lot of space to feel mm-hmm first always and then how do you want to respond you know who do you want to be in that how do you want to treat her and I think a great question could be why do you think she's doing that because to understand you know I feel like so many girls will say to me well my mom says she's just jealous Mm. and they kind of roll their eyes but I think there is still a little bit of a that's a compliment to me and I feel good about the Mm. fact that she would be jealous so, but I think if they could get there, not that she's jealous, but that she feels threatened by me or she wants to be like me, mm-hmm. you know, if they could get to something like that, I think that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then how do you want to respond and what do you want to do is so important mm-hmm. for them to feel not just like we're saying, now I want you to go to school tomorrow and here's how I want you to handle this girl. Because mm-hmm. anytime we are connecting the dots for them in those ways, we're communicating to them, you can't connect them yourself. Right. And so I think giving her opportunities to kind of figure that out. That's good. And I think, too, saying, 
I mean, anytime we can, whether it's TV or movies or watching something play out at the airport, you know, what do you think it felt like to be that other person and helping them get to a place of empathy, um, I think is really good. And, and if you suspect your child might be the mean girl, I don't remember how you asked that question exactly, but I think often with mean girls, it's about a lot of insecurity Mm -hmm. and feeling like they need power. And so I would want to go towards why, Mm -hmm. you know, why is she feeling insecure? Why is she feeling the need for power? Or I have a lot of girls who will be perceived as mean, who are simply missing social cues. Mm -hmm. And one of the, you know, it's, and please don't hear me say all girls with ADHD end up being mean girls. They don't. But if we were to talk about ADHD in kids, the really interesting thing is with boys, teachers recognize it so quickly because they're so impulsive at school that they'll call the parents and say, you need to have your child tested. Well, girls have this amazing ability to function well at school and they can keep it together. And so the teachers don't see it. And then the wheels come off at home mm-hmm. often because they've used every ounce of focus during the school day. And the other place we see it is they start to really struggle socially. Mm. Y'all tell me if I talked about things on Dadville. I can't remember. Not this. I have no, no idea yeah. what I talked about. Okay. Um, I'm too old to remember what I talked about <laughs> no. yesterday to anyone. Okay. So so what happens often is, you know, I can tell, the three of us can tell if we're talking too loud, if we're standing too close, if we said something that hurt someone else's feelings, we're going to see it on the other person's face. Girls with attention hurdles cannot see that. Mm. And so it, they just can't focus on it. And I think... You know, for girls, there's this language that happens here above the table. And then there's all these things that are happening below the table where they're communicating to each other. You know, I'm not going to invite you over today, but I'm not going to tell you that directly. But girls with ADHD miss all that, too. And so what happens is they start to be labeled as mean or weird because they're missing these things. And then they pull away from girls and gravitate towards boys because boys are so much simpler. And so. Girls can struggle a lot socially that have ADHD, which is why we want girls in that, that have those hurdles to be in places where they're learning social skills outside of home, whatever that looks like. What does that look like? Well, I mean, we sure do a lot of that in group counseling. And and I think any place you could do some group counseling with them is really good. But anytime they're in a group, they're going to be hopefully learning a little bit of that and asking questions like, you know, how's it going with your friends? Mm -hmm. Can you tell sometimes when it seems like you hurt someone's feelings or when someone's mad at you or what is that like when that happens you know that we just start to ask questions to help them learn to connect the dots Mm -hmm. but with mean girls I often will wonder is it about Mm -hmm. power is it about insecurity or is it that they maybe have an attention hurdle that's right undiagnosed that we're missing that we could help you know that's great how do we this is real quick how do we as moms control our tongues (sighs) about the mean girls to them Mm. Do a lot of breathing ourselves. <laughs> yes. And a lot of thinking, is this helpful for them? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, uh, us reacting is different than having empathy. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about what does empathy look like versus what does sharing my opinion in this moment about mm-hmm. that child look like? Because, I mean, especially at certain ages, so many kids bounce back and then want to be good friends with that right. person. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of girls are just mean. Right. Um, through different seasons and we'll practice what that looks like and so we just don't want to say something then that we can't walk back when that person becomes their best friend right. and they don't want to tell us right. and so 
I think doing a lot of breathing, doing a lot of processing ourselves. Keep your mouth shut. That's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, Sissy. So first of all, I love y'all's books. Your books, Mm -hmm. David's, y'all's Are Your Kids on Track, the Raising Worry-Free Girls. So good. So I mean, just the resource that you guys are to us, our community, our city, this country, all all over. It's really just such a gift. Um, at, before we did this, I was kind of re-scanning the Raising Worry-Free Girls book, and this little part stuck out to me so much. At the very end, you talk about what you wish you had known mm. as an 8- to 18-year-old girl, and I'm just going to read some of these things mm. because I just think it's so amazing how – especially these days, we just, girls and boys too, can just get unrealistic expectations of life. And then you live out of that and you never can measure up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it creates all this anxiety and fear and all these things that you can never battle because Mm -hmm. you're always expecting yourself to be perfect. So I'm going to read some of these things and then I have a question for you. You will have good friends along the way. Although they may not be the most popular friends, kindness is more important than cool in a friend every time. Even the best of friends will hurt your feelings and leave you out sometimes. Learning how to handle conflict is more important than having a friendship where there isn't any. Every important relationship in your life will be hard sometimes. You won't be invited to every birthday party. Just because you're not someone's best friend doesn't mean you're not still a friend. Everyone has a closest few. People can still really love you and hurt your feelings, even at the same time. There's no perfect friend. There's no perfect guy. There's certainly no perfect teenage boy. Yada, yada, yada. I could keep reading. But um, just the truth of how, like, the question, I guess, is even when you have a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and a ten-year-old, how do we steward these truths well for our kids that may not be able to understand there's no perfect guy, you know, Mm. but living in a way with them in relationship where we're not putting unrealistic expectations on them and we're not letting the world do that Mm. for them. Um, Do you have any wisdom about that? So preparing the younger, the younger. Yes. To understand that. I mean, part of writing that whole section was feeling like, kids this was before the pandemic that kids had lost what it looked like to live in a fallen world and mm. you know I um I think I really decided I wanted to be a counselor when I read did y'all read Larry Crabb's book Inside Out oh no I thought you were gonna yeah it was like one of I mean it's so early I read it in 1989 or something and it basically talked about because we live in a fallen world that nothing is ever going to satisfy us in the Mm. way we long for it to. I mean, what we would know to be true, but I didn't grow up in the church. And so I just didn't, I didn't understand that concept to that degree that he verbalized it. And so I think that's what it feels like in the last 10 years, kids have lost sight of. And, and I think now they think, oh, things are going to be hard. We've been through a global pandemic, but I still don't think they think that means I'm not going to be invited sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I think there's a, a, trickling down into their own personal lives that's confusing. And so I do think part of it is what we, the way that we talk around them and and what we model in terms of how we're even working through things, our own level of resilience, and that we are 
honest about the hard and we let the good have more power. Mm. You know, Mm. I feel like that's what is missed often culturally with kids. I think kids are honest today about the hard and it's like, that's all they see. I mean, Mm -hmm. I had a group of really neat high school girls last, last week who said to me, we had this conversation about how do you define yourself? And I started with how culturally do you think kids are defining themselves? And then we talked about how they do in their own heads, how they think other people define them and how they want to be defined. But culturally, you know, they talked about everything you can imagine, social media, comparison, grades, all the things. And then one of them said, which I was so glad she thinks, she said, I think kids are defining themselves by mental health issues today, Hmm. which is what I have felt as a therapist. And, and she said, the danger of that is that it teaches us to look at what's hard only Mm -hmm. and to not look at the positive, which, you know, can you imagine saying that as a junior in high school? Mm -hmm. But I, I think that's, that's so true. And so for them to understand, whew, I, I had a rough day at work. And and we don't always have to talk about the good with it, but I think it's important for them to hear the good in the midst of it. And not just good and not just hard, because I, I do think that balance mm-hmm. that is where kids have such a hard time. And so, um, so modeling that kind of thing, I think, is really important. Talking about, you know, I sure love this friend, and we had a little bit of a hard morning. But we work through it. You know, mm-hmm. that they're just hearing you say things mm-hmm. like that, I think, is so good that they see you as parents disagree with respect mm-hmm. from time to time, I think, is good for them. I don't think arguments are great for them, but anything like that. Um, and I think even hearing what matters more to you in those moments, mm-hmm. that pursuing the good matters more. Um, and that, that, our faith as a foundation of mm-hmm. all of that, I think, to go back mm-hmm. to those kind of truths, too. And then I think with them, maybe it's saying, I'm trying to think of a scenario, you know, they don't, they hear about the birthday party they didn't get invited to at lunch, or they see it, they get a little bit older and they see it splashed all over social media, right. or everyone's on the snap bubble together and they're not. And to, in those times, say, oh, I know seventh grade is really hard sometimes. And not, I mean, they can so easily feel like we're dismissing their feelings when we make something more universal, I think, as kids. But I think it's still important to do. And mm-hmm. teenage boys don't make sense in right. any part of the world. You know, I mean, that, that we're just acknowledging that those things are true for them. Um, and then saying, tell me what that's like for you. Mm-hmm. Giving them a chance to talk about it. It's like acknowledging both the good yes. and the hard yes. at the same time. Yes. Because I think culturally we've swung a little towards looking for the hard primarily. Uh, There is a guy, I can't think of his name. Um, So we interviewed a psychologist named Michael Thompson, who's going to be on the Raising Boys and Girls podcast recently. And he talked about how he sees parents investigating for pain. And that that's what we go to sometimes, even in our question asking, more than the good. Hmm. And so... Do you think it's because everyone's trying to let them sit in that? Because you hear like, you know, I feel like I've been hearing so much lately, like sit in that feeling because parents want to make it better. Yes. So I feel like in my mind, it's like if they're sad, we're going to sit in that sadness. Do you think that's why? Yes. I think that's definitely part of it. I think culturally we're moving that way. And I think so many of us had parents who never understood anything we felt that now we're overcompensating. And we're sitting in the heart and the 
crisis. Right. You know, we talk about whatever you pay most attention to is what's most reinforced. Mm-hmm. And so if you're paying most attention to their hard days and the sadness and even the anxiety, then we're inevitably reinforcing it without right. meaning to. Right. That's good. With a very random roundabout answer to your question. John. Dave. Okay. Oh, we're oh, close. close. Okay. Hey, Dave, I've said this a million times if I've said it once. Is yeah. there a more perfect vehicle for food than a taco? Ooh. Right? I mean, it's portable. It's infinitely customizable, which is fun to say. And it's nearly, nearly impossible, impossible to, to only eat one in a sitting. Thing. I knew you were going to say right? that. You're I've right. convinced you. Finally. I guarantee you that I'll eat a minimum of three at a time easy. Like, easy like Sunday morning. Oh. Well, then we need to give big thanks to today's sponsor, Tacos for Life, Ooh. who make craft tacos for a cause, Dave. World hunger is the world's greatest solvable problem, and you can make a difference with your business or career. That's right. Tacos for Life is a taco shop on a mission. For every taco, rice bowl, salad, quesadilla, or nacho sold, a meal is provided to a child in need. When you eat at Tacos for Life, not only do you provide a meal to a hungry kid, but you also get to enjoy really good tacos. That's right. We are looking for two types of people to join us in the fight to end world hunger. Whether you are, one, someone looking to invest in a business that makes a good return while also making a difference in the world, or two, you are someone who wants to run a restaurant where you can be proud of the food you're serving while also doubling down on the impact you are making, we can help you. Visit tacosforlife.com dot com slash dadville to learn more about opening your very own tacos for life and be a part of bringing forth a world where no child goes hungry i really like the horn line i've never heard you do a horn line before. that was really great trying something new that was really really great that took me to like wonderful places okay this is the last time we can interrupt the women of monville okay you gotta make the most of it by the way wasn't this a great episode oh my god i'm pretty sure our wives could put us out of work as award-winning podcasters mm. anytime they wanted to snap of the fingers we're yeah done. i couldn't agree more but before we go fishing for straws we need to tell everyone the wait is over because the season three of the chosen is coming i love that show yeah, i love too. the chosen and get this the theme of season three is come to me all you who are weary and heavy burdened and i will give you rest matthew eleven twenty eight. that's right this season the most consequential and emotional chapter yet picks up right where season two left off but turns up the heat both followers and enemies of jesus multiply stirring new troubles tensions and tough questions many of which you've no doubt asked yourself but in the midst of upheaval can you guess jesus gives rest he's always coming through clutch episodes one and two will begin in theaters starting november 18th and episodes will start releasing for free in the chosen app before christmas Let's go. I really do love this show. Love it. So much. For more information, visit thechosentickets.com. No, I I was just, this might be, we'll just edit this part out. This is just me talking. But yes, please. So you're saying that this was written, this is sort of outdated in your mind? No. I was, I'm saying oh, that I, I feel like kids' perspective has shifted. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so like... Well, I was just reading it thinking, like, this is so current. Yes. And you're saying maybe it's not, that's not exactly what you're seeing. Is well, that, or I'm in, I, am I hearing I, you wrong? No, I, I, um, I still think kids, I mean, in that book, I talk about John 16, 33, about in this world you'll have trouble, but mm-hmm. take heart. And 
when I wrote the book, we hadn't been through a global trouble. I hear you. So I think they felt like this should never, nothing should ever happen to me. Now I think they mm-hmm. think maybe globally and everything that's happened since the pandemic. I think they probably think our world's going to have trouble, but my world shouldn't. Mm. That's the shift. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with okay. you. I'm okay. With you. I hope it's not outdated. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just trying to. Yeah, I know what put, you're saying. Where's the in. shift? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, dear sissy, and we talked. You guys talked about this on Dadville, but we're just going to go okay. a little deeper. Okay, great. Um, how do we balance confidence with understanding how the world looks at our bodies? And sorry, maybe I, I had a little notes. Okay, body image. How do we balance? The confidence with also understanding how the world looks at our bodies as women, as girls. We want them to wear that crop top because mm. you look cute and you are so confident right now. And I know you will not be so confident come right. your sophomore year in high school. Yes. But then I have like church um, culture in my head, like modest is hottest. We got to cover that up. Right. I don't want to make the men or the boys stumble. Right. It, and so now we feel conflicted with, like, we want to honor our bodies. I don't, you know, like, mm-hmm. I remember John was really laying into this when uh-huh. you guys were talking. Uh-huh. And I yes. feel like it's such a huge issue with girls. Do yes. you see that? Or is that is that not? Are we making a bigger deal than? No. I mean, I think culturally it's huge right now. Right. The The – kind of swinging the opposite direction Mm -hmm. of letting them express themselves however um and I think that I don't I don't even know that I know how to speak to the like church culture part of it as much as Yes, I do think we want to let them be confident and I think it's awesome when they feel good about themselves and within the bounds of what you feel like is appropriate as a parent, I think I I usually will say to parents, I want you to take where you feel comfortable and push it a little Hmm. because I want them to be able to express themselves. And I think clothes, there are much bigger battles to fight in their life than clothes. I like that. And I think I don't, if we're trying to draw a correlation between, I mean, like I can think of a girl who, when we were on Zoom with groups, almost every time she would show, like, she just would show up in her little sports bra. It was a young girl. Yeah. Um, and I think would wear it everywhere if she could. And and I think my question with a child like that would be, where is that coming from? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I think I always just want to dig deeper because if it's, she's wearing that with her leggings and she loves gymnastics and that's what she wears in gymnastics and she thinks that's fun, that's different maybe in certain arenas than a girl who it feels like there's a little bit of a sensual undertone Mm -hmm. and we want to figure out why Mm -hmm. because we don't want that to be a place that she starts to feel like this is how I draw attention and connect with other people yeah so I don't know that I'm answering your question at all but in terms of the confidence piece of it I don't know that I feel like there is any correlation between how girls dress little and their 
sense of body image as they get older. Okay. I feel like, I mean, I, I think because developmentally the self-consciousness, the awkwardness with who they are, the awkwardness in their own skin is so all-encompassing that it's going to hit all of them. Right. And so I don't think there's a way we can let them express their confidence and independence in clothing that's going to make when them six, bulletproof. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if that answers your what question. What about, but. this is kind of piggybacking off of that. Um, I'm riffing here, Amy. Yeah, do it. Woo! List. Let's do it. Um, okay, what about thoughts? I know you probably have a lot of thoughts about the way moms talk about their own bodies and eat and diet and live life. What is your advice to us as moms on how we can separate our own issues and not project them into our kids. But I mean, so I, I have so many stories in so many ways that like as adults, you know, friends of ours, we've talked about how our moms have impacted or not impacted the way we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. What are some like things that you think about as you're talking to moms, as moms are probably listening, like, hey ladies, don't maybe try not to do this or maybe, you know, talk to your husband about that and don't let your kids hear it or whatever. Like, do you have any sort of advice for us, even as we're struggling with our own body images Mm -hmm. and our own sagging all the things, (laughs) you know? Yes. I mean, I would say, hey, ladies, don't talk disparagingly about your own body in front of your kids. Even if you're being silly and poking fun at yourself, I just don't think. Unless it's there at a stage where they don't like their body and they feel uncomfortable for you to say, I feel that way too, you know, just playfully, but then circle right back to them. Because, but even in that, if you're 40 and they're 14, they don't care how you Mm -hmm. feel about your body. But I think they so, girls just so easily pick up on, my mom doesn't like the way she looks and I therefore shouldn't either. Or I can't imagine what she thinks about me. Um, I, I talk to a lot of girls who struggle because their moms are thinner than they are mm-hmm. um, or more fit than they are. And, and I think especially when those moms are doing that out of an unhealthy place, I think the girls just pick up on it and feel like I shouldn't like my body too or mm. my body, my mom doesn't like mine. And so I think being very aware of what you're communicating and probably that whole gut instinct, if it's rising up in you like, Am I talking about this too much? Am I making this too big of a deal? I would go talk to a therapist about it, mm-hmm. honestly, right. because I just think if that's your gut, there's probably something to it, and it would be good to process. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I, I think we talked on the Dadville but before, but about having friends in all shapes and sizes and talking mm-hmm. about beauty, looking all different ways is so important for them. And I think I, I – I can't remember if I told this, but I did a parenting seminar once and a mom came up to me and she said, I'm a pediatrician. And she said, you know, we talk about healthy eating and being strong is our language around our house. But I also purposefully drive them through McDonald's every couple of months, Mm. you know, which I loved. I mean, she just said the thing that's going to make all the difference is moderation. And for them to see that where nothing becomes obsessive. And I think as much as I see parents who try to do, I remember a mom who said, I'm going to try and teach my daughter the difference between types of fat as she's eating based on the ingredients and how that impacts her. And 
sure enough, that girl was in my office three years later with an eating disorder. And I think because her mom had her own issues, and that's why she right. was obsessing about mm-hmm. the fat content. And yeah, just as much as we can make it a non-issue. Is there like a general age where it's like, okay, like, you know, strap it on, ladies. This is when it's going to really matter as far as like eating goes and what you say about, you know, healthy versus – I mean, I feel like I'm even nervous about – with my kids granted my kids are still young but like talking about healthy versus not healthy Mm -hmm. like I know that's a good conversation but Mm -hmm. I'm nervous about even entering into that because I don't know how it's going to be received and like what they're going to take away from it and especially with a daughter I mean I think boys too but um is there an age at which it's like a little bit more heavy for them or does it start when they're eight? Is it more like? I think it starts early. I think okay. it's the repetition okay. that is the problem. I mean, it's the words we say. I mean, if if we're talking about it in a way that obviously our stuff is coming through. But I think even when we're talking about it in appropriate ways, if we're talking about healthy and unhealthy eating once a month or they're hearing us constantly say, oh, that was an unhealthy choice, you know, I think that's that's going to make them – in the list of priorities of you as a parent, whatever we talk about the most reflects our priorities. And if all of a sudden food and healthy eating is finding its way in your top 20, even if it is, that's great if it is. But even if it is, I think it just makes an issue too quickly. So if you have a kid that has a big sweet tooth and they're yes. constantly like sneaking snacks, mm-hmm. you know, how do you not... You know, do you just focus on, like, the sneaking and, like, not really about the food? Mm-hmm. Or do you, like, how do you not bring it up? I, I think it's much, yes, I think you can focus on the sneaking. Yeah. But what I typically say is just don't have the really sweet snacks. Because yeah. then you don't have to talk about it, and it's right. not a thing. And if they're sneaking an apple, who <laughs> right. cares, you know? Right, right. But then go to go out to dinner and get a fun dessert right. where it's not that it's taboo and they feel like it's not right. okay. It's just, you know, our family doesn't have sugar cereals. And so maybe I go to someone else's house and I'm having cocoa puffs. Right. But yeah, I, I think as much as we can make it a non-issue that we're just not talking about those things as much as possible, I think is better for them. That's good. It's hard. So your advice is have a healthy pantry. Have a healthy pantry, yes. Okay, that's the bo- good yeah. to know. The boring house, though. The, yeah, well, yeah, and then you might <laughs> yeah. be able to. But then if they're doing, if they have friends coming over, then you get or the every once in a while you bring snacks in, but it's what they consume at the that time. period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. That's, that's good. Okay, that's good advice. Yeah. I need to stop buying the Cheez-Its and the, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so they hard. have a great pantry. We, we do. We have a good pantry. That's good. Uh-oh. All right. <laughs> We're like at an hour, and we still have more. Should we just um, – is there one more that you uh, – should I ask that last question about t- – I don't a know. I feel like we're kind question. of living – we've already kind of talked about mm-hmm. – what about – okay, can I, what about technology? That should be qu- quick, maybe. Sure. This is a different angle because you kind of talked about it a little bit. I'm sure you're talking about it a ton. We need to have, okay, dear sissy, technology. We know we need to have, like, blocks on our computers and our Mm -hmm. phones and, like, really, really be one step ahead 
if we can. Yes. Well, let's talk about when the kid has already looked at something, mm. like searched sex or sex, mm-hmm. you know, or something. Mm-hmm. What? How do you handle that? Well, the hardest part is to do it without reacting yeah. and panicking yourself because the most important piece of that is we always want them to feel safe coming to us. Right. And so, I mean, I really think in all things with kids, having a policy that, you know, if you push past our boundaries, there's going to be a consequence. But anytime you're honest with us, the consequence will be less. Mm-hmm. And so them knowing if they come to you and say it, and maybe even, I was going to say when they are starting technology use, that you say things like you can end up looking at something without meaning to, and we always want you to come and say something to us if you've looked at something that's made you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think early on, talking preventatively about don't what to Google and what not to Google. Right. You know, these are the things. And I think in that setting, I would even say to them, now you tell me some things that might not be good to Google and see if right. they can start to think of it. But if they have seen it, that we let them come to us and we take a lot of deep breaths as they're telling the story. And then, I mean, I think asking questions like, how do you feel if that, like that's affected you? How mm-hmm. did it feel when you saw it? Because um, what we see at Daystart is that a lot of kids then, you know, that whole looping anxiety thing, they get images looping right. for themselves and they right. can't stop thinking about it. And so, you know, saying to them, how it's impacting you, I think hopefully would get to some of that. Or you could even say, is it hard to get it out of your head now? Um, and and then I think talking through future, going back to like, what do we want to do in response? But in those moments, giving them a lot of grace mm-hmm. of we've all made mistakes. And that mm-hmm. seems like one of them. And I, I have a lot of parents who will immediately bring their kids to counseling about it. Mm-hmm. And the kids, I think, feel so much shame right. about an adult finding out that I, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever had a kid say to me willingly, I looked at pornography or right. I found something on the internet. I think boys probably do a little bit more because it's talked about more with right. boys, but for girls, I have not. And it is so hard for me as a therapist to say, well, your mom told me that you, right. you know, they feel right. so uncomfortable. And so... I really think unless it's impacting them, it's conversations you can have. And even, you know, after they see it, after you talk through it, and why do you think I would not, now that you've seen it, why do you think I wouldn't want you to see it? Right. You know, um, how does it feel like it hurts you? And how might it hurt you in the future? And what can we do to help safeguard you? And I want you to come to me anytime it's in your mind. And, And let's come up with some good positive things, some positive images you can even replace it with in your mind. Right. Because it's going to sometimes feel like it comes back. Right. That's good. Yeah. Talking about forgiveness. Yes. All those things. That's great. Yeah. We could go on and on. We could. I I just want to say, I just love the overarching, like, message you have for parents about just empowering your girls Mm. and your kids to – you got this girl, you can do this, you know, and like not putting so many boundaries and expectations and safety around them, but just to like let them know we are their biggest cheerleaders. And also 
it's on you. Mm. You can do this, mm-hmm. and we're going to cheer for you the whole time. Mm-hmm. And um, I think every time I, I just you know re- reread this book, and every time I listen to your podcast, every time I re- read your books, every time I have any interaction with you, I always leave feeling like, okay, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And That's not only gift. can so we nice. do this with our kids, but like Sissy and David are there cheering for us. And like, you know, it's just what, what a gift mm-hmm. that we're all in this village together and we're all mm-hmm. doing it. And you're a resource and you're cheering for us. And if we need anything, you know, we, we can, we can, find it in your in your stuff so we're just so appreciative well i'm sure cheering for y'all and i think for me to sit here with two moms that i trust and feel like have so much wisdom and not to hear what y'all think moms need to be hearing (laughs) i want you to each say one thing that you think moms need to be hearing today (laughs) because i I want to know too yeah, the wisdom. I don't know. We don't have any wisdom. That is not true. Y'all have so much. I hope you do Dadville more. Right. Oh, to hear your voices dang. more. It is fun. It's fun. Amy, um, you have all the no, wisdom. No, I don't. I can't think of any wisdom. <laughs> I just think I, just what I said, like, you know, helping our kids, especially girls, believe in themselves mm-hmm. and letting them find a way to have the confidence and in whatever we can do however we can like push them towards that Mm -hmm. is is a challenge but it's like a good challenge Mm -hmm. you know we can do this I I think my it's not wisdom my prayer is that I really know each of my girls and that I really see who God created them to be Mm -hmm. and not who I am or who God created me to be like I really want to know who they are Mm -hmm. and I I don't want to get my stuff mixed up with them because they're awesome i i just heard a podcast saying like it's not um reproduction it's production Mm. like these are strangers living in our house yes and i thought yeah that's good like i'm learning forever these two little girls and please god let me do a good job you know Mm. and not get so stuck in my head about Am I messing them up? And, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of stuff that you're saying really frees that. Mm-hmm. And I can get stuck in my head about mm-hmm. doing it right. Or mm-hmm. And, and we, we all know they're going to get messed up right. and they're going to need counseling. I know that. But I just want to make it like a little less. I know. <laughs> I know. But your failure frees them to True. feel like they're okay when they fail too. True. Thank you. (laughs) And I want to say, moms that are listening, y'all heard what they just did when I asked that question. And they both kind of shrunk back and were like, no, 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 we don't have wisdom to share. And then they said such beautiful things. Mm -hmm. And that is such a picture of what we do to ourselves as women. Mm -hmm. And we don't step into it sometimes. And so trusting that God has given us good, wise Mm -hmm. counsel for Mm -hmm. the kids that we love, for our friends, for other people. And y'all are amazing. I do think y'all should be hosting this more often and those only of you with that are, you only no, with you well let's do it let's do it regularly and i think those of you that are listening it's the same you have mm. so much you know more about your kids than anybody else you have so much to offer them and and god has given you truth that nobody else knows about them that you can get to and uncover and who they are amen that's good. Thanks, Sissy. We love y'all you. are awesome. Mm-hmm. I we love, love y'all. You. It's so fun. Okay, <laughs> I, I I do need to say uh, ask you one more question. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I thought Uh-oh. you were going to do one of those be, rapid fire. Things. This can be off the record, okay. but w- will it? You can know. Keep it on. Okay. Keep it recording. 
Um, whoever's editing this, will you please send this to Dave? Um, okay, <laughs> Sissy. I'm excited um, about this. Will you please just remind us why you think it might be helpful for a family to have a dog? <laughs> Yes, I talked to a family about that this week, and there is an article that we could put the link to in the show notes about how petting dogs, relationships with dogs, enhance our executive functioning in our brains, and all these other things that I just came across, and I tagged it this morning, and I have so many kids who will say to me, the person I talk to the most is my dog. And kids who's actually <laughs> kids who've lost a parent, kids who feel rejected at school, you know, as so many kids will, mm-hmm. and they come in the door and that dog is wagging their tail and thinks they're the greatest thing to ever hit the planet. And I I'm sure cats are great. Goldfish, <laughs> they don't give any of that, but cats maybe give some when they want it. Mm-hmm. But dogs especially, I, I mean, just think I have memories of my dog and I would in high school crying and it's licking my tears. Yes, yes. You know, I have memories of that. Yes, that's why we have dogs at Daystar. I, we had a, some kind of person, I had someone at my house working on something. And so I called Melissa and said, can I bring my dog to work today? And I did. And I happened to have a girl who was contemplating suicide. And so what happens in those scenarios is I meet with the child and then I have to bring the parent in a different room to tell them that's what's happening, Uh -uh. which, you know, every bit of that's horrible. And even to leave the child is always really hard. And so I left my little dog, Noelle, was my first dog that I had Mm -hmm. with her and went and met with the mom. And then we walked back in and Noelle was sitting in this girl's lap licking her tears. And Melissa said, let's bring your dog every day from here on out. Wow. Yeah. So. I got chills. I know. And we now have five dogs on staff at Daystar because they make such a profound difference in the lives of kids. I think so, too. Buckle up, buddy. I believe that, Dave. It's time. (laughs) Okay, now you can end it.